Hello and welcome to the Limerick Post Podcasts. We are Limerick. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. Join me each week as we get to know the people of Limerick who are making the city and county what it is today. You can keep up to date with all Limerick news, sport and entertainment by following the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all our social media channels or visiting limerickpost.ie. This week's guest is the founding head of the Department of Drama and Theatre Studies at Mary Immaculate College and producer of the upcoming Midas showing of A Chorus Line at the Lime Tree Theatre, Mike Finneran. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Keen. Delighted to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having me in. No bother at all. How's everything going? Not too bad. Not too bad. As, as, as I was saying to you just before we, we came into the studio... You know, a life in show business is never dull. You know, so been a, there's been a bit of firefighting today, but you know, I think I think the phone isn't isn't going at the moment, so we seem to be on top of things. Nice you know? Yeah. And uh, twenty years of Midas mm. in Mary Immaculate College. Uh, yeah. How's the journey been? Yeah, it's been it's been it's been a buzz. It's been um, an absolute buzz. You know, we so it it kind of the journey mirrors my own time in Mary I really in Summer Space. So I started up there. I know I might only look you know twenty eight, twenty nine, but I actually started up there at the same time. I started there in ninety eight. And um, I had a conversation with a few people at the time, including she's now director of corporate affairs at Mary. She was general manager of our of our students' union at the time, um, or the banks, about you know the need to get more students involved in the arts. And of course, musicals musicals are great for lots of people. Love music, love absolutely love musical theatre, love the form. I'm not I'm not a lover, lover, lover of them if I can put it like that. But what they're from, they're of such large scale, they get loads and loads of people involved, you know. So um, we thought, oh, and, and people love them, you know. So we, we thought we'd, we'd start by doing a musical. I did one the first year, it seemed to go down quite well. And then it kind of followed on. There was never a big trajectory in mind, you know, there was never a big plan. But um, yeah, they went from strength to strength. And I suppose they became very well known, first of all, within the college. And loads of, particularly, I suppose, the student teachers love to, to you know, they're very skilled and talented and love to sing and dance and whatever it might be. And they, they kept going kind of plateaued for a, cu- a couple of years. And I remember uh, um, having conversations with people saying, you know, they should probably be a bit better because, you know, you've got the cream of the crop and, you know, smart, bright university students. And But I suppose what happened then after about 10 years was that we we began to redevelop the campus of Mary I. And I had a conversation at the time around the former president, now sadly deceased, Pather Kremen. And... Uh, you know, we were talking about ways in which you've getting the Limerick community because Mary Eye, as you know, it's not very far from, from your own office here in Henry Street, only up on the South Circular Road. And you'd be surprised at how many people in Limerick have never actually crossed the threshold, gone in through the campus, or hadn't at that time. It has changed a bit over the last number of years. And so we talked about the need for a cultural space. Now, I was a lighting designer, director around the city, and I knew I worked in the Const Hall a lot, and the Const Hall obviously has a thousand seats. The bell table at the time had about 300 seats, down to about 220 now. But I knew for a fact that a lot of the, the touring, the big theatre companies in Ireland weren't coming to Limerick because there was no venue of a scale to take them in. So the Abbeys, the Druids, um, you know, Rough Magic, Red Kettle, all of these companies from around the country just weren't coming to Limerick. Um, so I suppose I was kind of quite ambitious and I pitched it to Pather at the time that we should build a theatre. But the, re- the way this links back in with Midas and the musicals was that part of my selling pitch to him was to be able to say to him, look Pather, we're doing these amazing shows, they're incredibly popular and it's an amazing showcase for 40 or 50 of our students every year. Wouldn't it be great to have a venue in which to showcase them? So the Lime Tree came about, and that's not the only reason obviously, it made, it made sense in a whole pile of levels for us to build it, but the Lime Tree came about and then the Midas musicals just took on another level altogether. They just moved up a notch. The first year we d- in there we did Grease, um, but the second year we did a production of Cats. Um, and uh, I don't know if you have a sense of Cats, the big West End spectacle, and they're all dressed as cats. 
and you couldn't get a ticket for love and money it's sold out and i suppose ever since then then we've had a huge body of support and we've tried to do big big shows that give both the students who take part but also the punters who come in give give people lots to smile about you know and uh, over the 20 years obviously productions get a lot better yeah so how well, have you seen them change in those 20 years i suppose years? <laughs> I've, I've looked at i probably learned a bit more myself about putting things on but yeah we've built we've built up um a huge body of knowledge within the campus um, so a lot of the theatre professionals in Limerick now at the moment have kind of come through our hands over the, I'm thinking of you know Tara Doolan who um, you know does a huge amount of stuff in the city and things like that and, and, and you know Tara was our stage manager for a long number of years Sive McCoy who's working um, with a big West End producer at the moment she's working on the, on the production of um, Mamma Mia she was working on the movie Sive was our director for a long number of years so you know you have people like that Matty Moore actually who's coming back as our, as our lighting designer this year um, as a kind of a returning guest artist um, you know Matty's out there ploughing straight as a, a professional lighting designer you know he was in the company so you know you're training people up and they stay kind of in your in your in your sphere um, so yeah they've just gotten more ambitious and uh, I'd imagine people take pride in coming from absolutely coming the alumni from, of Mary Oil we'd say yeah. and the Lime Tree Theatre it's, yeah it's, absolutely there's a huge sense of affiliation there's a bond there as well but it, like I've always tried to set high standards with them, and the amazing thing over the last number of years, schemes, I don't even need to say it anymore. Um, and I suppose I come from a come from a GA background. It's almost like they, they they know that they're a senior football team, if I can put it like that. They know that they're playing up there in the big league. Um, they know the kind of standards that previous years, of course, they they watch DVDs of previous performances. They know the kind of standards that are required in terms of execution of song and dance, and they they rise to it almost themselves. You know so. Whereas once upon a time I had to set the ambition and I had to say, lads, this is what we need to be going for. Now they almost set it for themselves, which is a lovely thing to see. You know? And with the college um, layout, yeah. I suppose there's four years there and there's a turnover every four years of casts. Mm. Does that benefit you in a way? It does because every year, and, and of course, you see, on the, on the campus as well, we have, um, I think we have six undergraduate programs now. So you have people coming from different backgrounds. But yeah, like so at, at the moment, like the fourth year ball was on last night in Thomas Park. Um, so we had a number of fourth years away and, and we do a little ritual backstage before the final show where we kind of we list out the people who's, um, who, who are about to I suppose, move on it, it sounds a bit finite but it's not really like that but it does because they learn from each other so the fourth years come in and they tell the first year or the first years come in the fourth years and the third years tell, tell the stories of what have gone before and God, three years ago we did this and we had an amazing production we had a mad party and, and the mythology kind of grows around the whole thing as well but what's really interesting as well is people coming from different backgrounds so you, you know you could have a philosophy student alongside you know student teacher alongside someone who's doing drama and it's a lovely space for them to get to know other people as well you know and uh, not just be stuck kind of within their own class groups as well you know yeah. and uh, over the last 20 years is there any show that stands out in particular um i suppose a few of them for for very different reasons um like Le Miserable a couple of years ago, uh, four years ago, um, that always gets a yeah, it, it, yeah, you know, and it was I, I, if I say so myself, it was quite a spectacular production. One of my PhD students, who's a professional set designer, designed the set for us, Emma Fisher, who's a well-known artist around Limerick, and Emma designed the set, and it was just beautiful, really well made, and we had the barricades and and oh god, it got just an incredible ovation. Um, every single night you couldn't get a ticket for love and money for the for the week coming into it so that stands out for that reason and also we had a big bunch of men because you know we find it hard to get men it's just the nature of the beast um, it's not that you know there's enough of them around the college but they're just not always that interested but uh, the other one that stands out for, for, for a whole other different set of reasons was um, Starlight Express which is it's an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical and it's performed on roller skates so we had to get the whole company out to the roller jam out in the Body Simon Road to do some training 
and we had to turn our rehearsal space into a kind of essentially an indoor roller arena, right? Um, we had we had roller captains, um, people teaching each other how to roller skate. Everyone had to wear knee pads and elbow pads. And this was, we, we did a massive risk assessment. We had health and safety. We had first aiders on duty every night for rehearsal. There was no accidents. I couldn't get over it. That sounds a bit more stressful than what it, you described to me today. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, well, it was. And we built this amazing set. Here's where it gets kind of funny. We built this amazing set because I wanted to free up all this, the space on the stage for them to roller skate because, you know, they're moving it literally a million miles an hour. So we built this huge metallic structure, truss structure. And we put the band up on an elevation at the back and we were building it. And I was climbing it. Uh, and and you know we we're doing some jobs and things like that and I was I was thinking about a couple of different things I was thinking about going up to talk to the band about you know what it would be like for them to play up there and how safe it would be um, um I was thinking about feeding the crew because it was a Saturday afternoon and people hadn't eaten would I get some sandwiches in and stuff like that I was also thinking about this and again I'm showing my roots here and from Roscommon originally Roscommon were playing an important league match that day um, in Gaelic football and I was thinking God is there any chance I was getting a result out of that because I think we were facing relegation as we normally are. And I fell, um, and I fell about three meters and smashed my arm and broke it in three places. Um, so I ended up in A and E that night, and my mother-in-law, um, Jean's mom, Jerdy, sat in the auditorium and FaceTimed the rehearsal so that I could watch it. I had surgery the next morning, was released, and back into the theatre that night for a rehearsal. High as a kite on drugs, arm, you know, I had a full cast all the way up to my shoulder, arm out at a right angle like that, and of course the students just took the absolute another out of me for the entire week so they did but we got through it and it was an amazing show again actually funny enough I know you're a Watford man but uh, we had, I remember a group of a group of people coming up from Watford City I um, can't remember which one of the you, there's a lot of musical theatre in Watford and a group of them coming up and they were just blown away and never forget talking to them They'd, I couldn't get over the fact that they'd driven all the way up from Watford to see it but they were so I have very fond memories of that one as well. So and lots how of, did that injury compare to anything you got in your sports? Yeah, no, that, that was that was by far and away the most severe as it was, you know. So I have a few I have a few stories to tell over the years, you know. But uh, you mentioned people travelling to see the shows, mm. uh, just obviously a nice community of in the arts groups in Ireland. And yeah, how does that benefit you? Oh well, it's 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 fantastic. So it's you know. Every year, for example, putting the show together at this time, we, we inevitably have to reach out and ask for help for bits and pieces. So even yesterday, I took delivery of a, of a truckload of mirrors from the Irish World Academy out in UL. I was able to ring Sandra Joyce out there and say, look, Sandra, we're doing, doing this. But, you know, over the years, Shannon Musical Society, Tip Musical Society, Nina, Choral Society, Ennis, have all Sicilians, Limerick Music Society, College Players, Limerick Panto Society. There's a huge brotherhood and sisterhood there in, in terms of all of those groups. And with the professional scene as well, because obviously with the venues, we're heavily tied into that. Um, you know, people will give you things. People will lend things to you. People will give you their expertise. You know, and it's... it's I know when for... You scratch the surface in Limerick, there's so much there. Oh, there's so much there. There's a massive underground scene, so there is. And... Um, and you know, it's like I had my fortieth a couple of years ago, and we had a big night in Dolan's. Um, the we had a big band playing and big party and and whatever it was it was great all night. Um, but I remember thinking that night because half. So my wife is a, is 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 Jean Madeleine. Some people may know her, and Jean runs the stage school in the city, but would be a very well known actor herself and director. And I suppose between the two of us, we would kind of know everyone really in some respects without that sounding kind of big headed. But I remember thinking that night in my fortieth in, in Dolan's Scott, if anyone set the place on fire <laughs> not only would you lose the best live music venue in the city but you'd lose all the people who kind of play and 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 who put on the shows in different places as well you know so there's there's a wonderful sense of fraternity there's a wonderful sense of helping people out you know your own colleague darren nash 
who's a, a, a friend of mine. Like he and he I speaks very highly of you. Like no, he does. I, 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 I pay him well to do that. But uh, <laughs> he, uh, you know, Darren and I met on shows years ago, and and but people like that, you'll find show people as we call them in every walk of life, whether they're professional or amateur, and. And, and, and there's a wonderful sense of generosity. You know, I think performance is very much part of the Irish DNA. And, and I suppose, you know, you'd always say about Irish people who are storytellers. You know, we love, there's nothing more we like than telling a story, whether it's in terms of a play or whether it's a musical or whether it's an opera, it doesn't really matter. We love telling stories. And uh, you mentioned uh, the importance of the arts and that was found in the graduate programme and Midas itself. Yeah. But um, a chorus line happens to have everything that you'd want in a musical. Yeah. There's the choreography, a lot of choreography, singing mm. and acting. Absolutely. And and it, it was one that was on our radar for a couple of years. And it was actually my friend and our musical director, Noel Lennon, who suggested, we have a conversation kind of August, September every year. Um, what will we do this year? And, and Noel said, you know, maybe this is one we should look at. And it's, it's perfect in terms of scale. And, you know, you're always looking for a bit of spectacle, a bit of a selling point. And of course, it's never been done in Limerick before, so hopefully that will help us sell it. But also thematically, and in terms of the symbolism of it as well, as you say, it's very much a play surrounded by a lot of music and dancing. Some of the monologues are incredible. You know, there's a story of a young man dealing with his sexuality. There's a story of a young woman who's an older woman who has kind of feels like she's a little bit maybe past it in terms of being a performer. And as I keep saying to the cast, you know, these are all thinly veiled analogies for for humanity, for for the for the kind of things we face every day in our lives. Um, you know, did I make the right decision? Should I stick with this? Um, maybe I'm not good enough. You know, that little bit of self doubt. Maybe I'm not good enough to pursue this career. Why doesn't he like me? God, he thinks I'm too fat. He thinks she thinks I'm too tall. You know, all of these. It's about the kind of a, the inadequacies of the the human mind and the human psyche as much as anything else, but told with the most fantastic music and. Um, your fellow broadcaster, um, I was on the John Ash show yesterday in Live ninety five, and I was saying, you know, the, you know, the one singular sensation obviously is the is the highlight, and doesn't obviously seen it in rehearsal a lot of the stage. Something in my head all week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll sing it for you in a little while if you want. To. I'm sure your listeners would love that. But um, yeah, uh, but no, 40, 40 you know, people, and part of the magic of Midas, of course, is that the company are all pretty much the same age, so they're all between 18, 22, 23 full of ridiculous energy as you have at that age but god to see them in a line 40 of them in a line doing these high kicks is quite something actually it's quite quite spectacular you know i'd imagine uh, it's a tough one to get down in terms of choreography yeah. because there is a lot yeah even at the is it a i'm going to get it yeah god, god i'm going to get it yeah yeah, yeah absolutely to, the start of that is just, yeah absolutely and the music is kind of um it's very very frenetic and fast-paced mm-hmm. and stuff like that yeah one of the the tricks that we have with Midas is that I, so I'm the producer but all the heads of the department then after that are all students and they're students who've kind of been trained in-house over the years so our choreographer this year is a, a young woman she's a third year student from from um, from, from Royal Cork Neve Fenton and she's a superwoman she is an incredible dancer herself she's actually playing the choreographer in the show as well as choreographing the show um, and she has drilled them incredibly well um, but our director then Ruth Everard from uh, from Templemore and Tipperary our stage manager is a Limerick woman I was trying to, trying to make sure that we had we had some Limerick presence in there but yeah what I found over the years is that because of course I'm that bit older now as well that they're much more inclined to listen to each other mm-hmm. so actually Midas for me has been as much about leadership and um, you know having young women mostly young women actually and, and, and some young men as well come into these roles and really step up and learn what it is to 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 lead their fellow students, but to do it in a way that's not about 
you know, banging the wall or, you know, the, the dressing room wall to put it in soccer terms, that it's about leading them and, and enabling them to do things and do them well. And, and when it works, they hit a level of finesse that I couldn't accomplish with them because there's a connection, you know, because they're, they're, they're kind of the same age and they recognise the power of being led by their own, their own age group, their own peers, you know. And they, did this all just fall into place or was it... Ah, uh, yeah. We like to say it falls into place, yeah. yeah. Um, show business, um, when, I, when I teach drama, I always... I think there's a, there's a belief in the world that creativity is this kind of pure thing, you know, that artists, goes, artists go into studios... And, and all of a sudden, some magic occurs. And funny, I was on a, on a long plane trip uh, last week and I, I watched Bohemian Rhapsody, you know. And the, the parts that I loved most were when, when Queen and when the lads were in, were in the, the rehearsal hall and they were just doing take after take after take. And then they started messing around and putting beer on the drum skins and playing with Chinese gongs and stuff like that. And I thought that's a powerful analogy, actually, what, what making theatre, what making art really looks like. It's messy, it's laborious, and sometimes the, the old tempers can fray, it can be... It can be, you know, long, it can be boring, painful, painful, a lot of the time painful. And you think, oh my God, how on earth are we going to get a show out of this? The beauty of theatre particularly is that there's a deadline. And there's like, you know, I know for a fact that we have 500, we open with a matinee next Wednesday. So I have 500 kids who are coming in to see that show at 11 o'clock next Wednesday morning. Has to be ready. Just has to be ready. And, And as I say to the cast backstage beforehand, those 500 kids, we have no idea what impact this might have on their lives. There might be a child out there who has never seen a live performance before. There might be a child out there who sees this and this changes their young life in some small little way. I don't claim big changes from the arts, but um, so it's so it's it, that that hard deadline and the importance of that deadline gets it done. There's a chance to inspire as well. Oh God, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm Especially with a chorus line, because def- definitely because it is all of those things. I um, tell you a little. I'm I'm chairman of the board of a, a theatre company in Galway called Branner Theatre of the Foch Sea, um, and they make they make work for younger audiences. Very famous are, are, are across Ireland. They're touring with we're touring with a, a, a production of Woolies Quest, which actually is in Glower and Ennis today. But um, Mark McLuthlong, who's the artistic director, tells the story of um, uh, one. I think it might have been How to Catch a Star. Um, a performance taking place one day and there was um, there was a child in the audience who happened to suffer from autism and the, the, the child's care or special needs assistant came up to Mark afterwards and said that the child laughed and it was the first time ever in their time in school that, they'd, that they had heard that, that particular young person laugh and that for me is the power of it you know you we, we you know theatre visual art music whatever it might be we make magic and everyone needs magic in their lives you know we, we go to gigs in order to forget all the other stuff in our lives in order to to stand there and just you know stand and watch musicians and, and, and to be blown away by their magic and yeah, it's the power of the thing, you know. If you get it right, and most of the time, I like to think we do, especially with kids that age as well. Oh yeah, yeah, they're just so impressionable, and yeah, and going back to Starlight Express with the roller skates, like I remember the kids just they could not understand how you had thirty five people rolling around on the stage. <laughs> the adults couldn't believe it, you know. Never mind the kids; it was fantastic. Was there ever a moment like that for yourself when you were younger with a musical? Um, not so much with musicals, funnily enough, but there was, like, I, I actually trained as a teacher, um, which, unsurprising, given that I work in Mary Eye, even though I'm not directly involved with teacher education. So when I, I went to college in, in St. Patrick's College in Dublin, which is now part of Dublin City University, and I, I came from a kind of farming background, well, my parents were teachers, farmers, but I'd never had any major involvement with the arts, little bits along the way, but it had never been a big draw mine or anything like that. I certainly wasn't as accomplished as most of the young people I teach. And I was walking past... 
the theatre one night in college on the way to the library. I think more for a jaunt really than, uh, than, than to, to do any serious academic work. And uh, a girl I knew uh, from the halls of residence that I was staying in um, put her head around the door of the theatre and um, she kind of looked at me. She said, will you give us a hand? And I said, okay, what are you doing? And she said, we're doing a production of, it was a, a play called The Colleen Bond by Dion Busco. It was the Drama Society in college. And she said, we just need a hand shifting some scenery. We don't have enough bodies. And I went up and I, I pushed and pulled and did whatever. But I was completely mesmerized. And I, I remember that night um, really as the night. Because I, I, I kind of fell into teaching because I, look, I, I kind of had, in my head, I thought I wanted to be a medical doctor. And I kind of came close to that, but missed it. And was going to repeat but hated school you know a story similar to many young people my mom was a primary teacher I hated the idea of becoming my mother but I, I I went off to do teaching and the deal was that I'd do a year and if I hated it I could reapply and leave and start the CAO and I went up to the theatre fell in love with the whole thing literally that night and that's been it that's 25 years ago you know it's my, my kind of life story since then so Roscommon to Dublin yeah. how do you end up in in Limerick, Limerick. So we're going to Dublin, um, and so I was, I was, I was in Dublin. Um, I qualified as primary teacher, but being honest with you, probably spent more time working backstage in the gate and the abbey. And I used to do a lot of tops of the town, um, which was huge in Limerick. And I didn't know that it, I didn't know anything about Limerick at the time. I'd never been in Limerick. But anyway, long story short, I was spending as much time doing drama as I was teaching, and and I decided I was still only twenty one. I decided that. I needed to go back and do something in drama. So I, I applied to do a master's at the University of Warwick in the UK. And I did an MA in drama and theatre education because I wanted to tie it in with my own kind of professional pursuits. And I was there. I gave a paper at a conference in UCC. It's a long-winded way of saying it, but the guy who was in charge of, 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 of um, drama and Mary I at the time was a guy called Brendan, Brendan V. Smith. And uh, Brendan heard me give the paper in Limerick. And what happened at the time was they were expanding drama in Ireland because it became part of the primary school curriculum. And he rang me up in Warwick one day and he said, um, he said, look, um, I have a bit of work going in Limerick. Would you be interested in doing it? And I was 22. I was very flattered at the idea of doing any kind of lecturing. I was going out with a girl in Ireland at the time, kind of happy enough to come home, even though I was just starting a PhD. And I came back, I came back to do six weeks work. And 20 years later, <laughs> I find myself, I got called into the, the former Pather Kremen, who I mentioned earlier on. Pather was head of education before he became president. He called me in at Christmas and he said, he said, look, as we... We, we kind of like you, it, it, not in probably as direct a way as that. And, and he, um, he gave me a six-month contract and then gave me a one-year contract, gave me a three-year contract, so I'm stuck now well, for a while anyway, you can see. And now you're, you're the founding department head of yeah. the Drama and Theatre. Drama and Theatre, yeah. So when the Lime Tree opened, um, I suppose I, I, I was involved in a number of different ways. I, I suppose I was pushing it from behind the scenes all the time. And, but I was actually the, the internal lead on the build as well and the fit out. And then um, Pather re- retired and, and passed away, unfortunately, soon after that. And Michael Hayes, who was our, our last president before the current one, um, became president. And it was perfect timing in some respects because Pather, I suppose, had the vision to, to build the, the theatre. But, uh, you know, Michael certainly, I, I went to Michael in the early days of his presidency and said, look, we need to establish a private company, um, which is separate to the college, um, which we have, the Limestone Theatre Limerick Limited. And that company needs some seed capital to, to start up. And he said, fine, and how many staff do you think you'll need? And we talked through it all, and we, I suppose, they had a, an embryonic business plan. And we established the company. 
Louise Donlan was the first employee appointed and she's the director still to this day. We're very lucky. And then Jill Fenton and Jay Kavanagh were appointed soon afterwards. Jillian is our uh, marketing manager and Jay still to this day. Like we're blessed because we've the same team essentially um, over the years. Jay's our tech manager. And um, and the, the venue just took off. Limerick was crying out for it. Limerick was crying out for a 510-seat auditorium. And all the big companies started coming in and... Um, and so all of a sudden, you know, we found ourselves in a situation where we had the Abbey there one week and we had Druid and all the companies I've mentioned, Opera Ireland, Ballet Ireland and Midas sitting in the middle of them all, which, of course, still tickles me pink to like we um, Midas finishes at the end of next week and the next company in our Druid Theatre company from Galway, you know, Gary Hines. Coming. So I, 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 I'm still tickled pink by that, that I'm in the theatre one day and Gary Hines, is, you know, is the first woman ever to win a, the Broadway or to, to win a, a Tony for Best Director. is, so is there you first found founded Midas, did you ever expect no, to have in a million the years. Race, we kind know. of sharing the same airspace as these people. But what happened with the college then was that it became a great success and, and myself and Michael, the former president, would have had many conversations about the need. So we had drama as part of our education programs because but we didn't have a drama degree. And I said, look, why don't we set up a drama degree? And he said, fine. And he sent me off and seconded me out of my role at the time to, to do that so we set up the BA CATS program which our first class will graduate now in October and we set up a doctoral program at the same time and then two years ago we became part of the, the ordinary BA so you know if you if you, if you choose to do a BA in Mary Eye which um, I, I feel is an absolutely marvellous BA program because you can do everything from media to theology to philosophy to German and, and it's certainly the best one in the city by a long time but if, if you um, you can do drama as part of that now as well and that's that's basically the story so the so in some respects, Midas is connected to the Lime Tree, which is connected to the drama program. And now in the drama program, like we have, it's a very, it's, it's kind of a hybrid drama program. So a lot of drama programs, let's say in NUIG or in UCC would have come from English departments, um, you know, where you'd study text more so. Like we, we approach live performance with the same kind of interest as you approach text. So our students do a lot of, um, a lot of production work. Um, so our first years are in rehearsal, Terry Devlin, who again would be known to many of your listeners, Terry ran Island Theatre Company here in the city for over 20 years, synonymous with the bell table. Terry's just after finishing a PhD in English literature and his first directorial gig, kind of re-immersing himself in the world of theatre, is directing Lovers. For So he's directing our first years. So we bring in professional directors. He's directing our first years in Lovers at the moment. And then Joan Sheehy, who's another Limerick woman, Dublin-based at the moment, but again, really well-known around here. Um, you know, just a member of the Arts Council, highly accomplished uh, Irish theatre practitioner she's directing our fourth years at the moment in their final performance to Tom Murphy plays on the inside on the outside so you know, you know we now have managed to establish this huge I suppose range of dramatic activity on the campus um, which the college are really really good at supporting and, and people seem to like and respect it and certainly people come to the shows and and you know, I can't speak highly enough about my students They both the, the students who are in Midas but also the ones on the drama programme just really passionate committed intelligent hard-working young people who you know it's not an easy game to 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 make a living in drama um and, and of course it, when you're 17 18 19 you only think you think that the only way you can make a living in drama is to be an actor whereas of course what we find is that most people do anything except act you know you, so you have people who are venue managers people who work in marketing people who work in technical theater people who teach drama work back for a visit yeah, yeah 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 so that's when uh, back in uh, when i started uh getting interested in drama that's that's why i started doing. i love lights absolutely love lights it's a weird one but uh, <laughs> just love yeah love light and shade and color and how it can change a performance so and i've been fortunate enough over the years to to work with many fantastic groups around and yeah still to this people day. in the audience just see what's on stage you don't see everything in the background the yeah. bodies that are 
no no the, all the, well that's it you know because even on the chorus line next week like we will have everything you know we'll have microphone we'll have a sound designer microphone technicians um, you know we'll have dressers because there's a couple of quick change backstage so you have to have people in the wings with the costumes ready to make up um, stage management uh, props you, you know so we'll have 40 on stage next week we'll probably have another 15 to 18 backstage on every single performance and, uh, and the, it's almost like a secret brotherhood back there a secret sisterhood more so than a brotherhood you know, there's this huge bond between all the, the crew and the techies and they love it. And they, they, they kind of love doing their jobs really more than the actors love it, which is always quite strange because they never get any of the applause. But what I, I saw a few run away when I showed up. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's just probably too bright for them, you know. <laughs> they don't normally come out till about seven in the evening when they have to go to work, you know. But, uh, but the, it's... Um, you know, but the, the one thing we explain, we work on the, the base with all our productions um, of an ensemble, which is this French term for, you know, everyone working collaboratively. So we, again, the old fashioned idea would be, and I suppose in society, we, you know, with Instagram and, and with celebrity, the nature of celebrity um, being what it is, everyone thinks of, you know, the Hugh Jackmans of this world, the Beyonce's of this world, the single superstars. We're much more interested in putting teams together, mm-hmm. much more interested in what happens when you, you know, the power of the human spirit when you put 60 people in a room together, well, how good can we make all of ourselves? And so how, how I explain to the, to the technical and the, and the stage management people is that the applause, the actors are the one, ones out there receiving the applause, but they're receiving it on behalf of all of us. And so I don't know if you've ever noticed this one, Keen, but generally at the end of a performance, most actors will, will raise a hand to the back of the auditorium. And that gesture is not just to the people literally physically up there, that gesture is to everyone else involved in the production be it a director producer designer they might even be in the building but it's to acknowledge that there are others out there other than themselves on the stage no one no actor can survive on a stage on their own believe me they so get lost you say they get the 60 people in a room together yeah. it doesn't end out like lord of the flies or anything like that does it i won't lie to you <laughs> there, there are moments you know but like you know you like you put 60 people anywhere you'll have you'll have a little bit of and a good team will work through it anyway absolutely always and that's the thing we you know, any kind of bit of bad behaviour, we have very little of it. You know, you might have a little bit of, little bit genius or a little bit of jealousy, whatever it might be. You call it out, yeah. call it out. But the other side of it then is you have you have all the love affairs and you have, <laughs> you have and, and, and leaving the salacious stuff, you have friendships that go on yeah. for, you know, like some of the some of the students who were in that first Midas show 20 years ago are amongst my greatest friends. You know, I'm, I, I, have, I have friends who live in, they're actually living in Abu Dhabi at the moment, but we did a Frank McGuinness play. No, it was... I, not sure what play it was, but it's a, it's a kind of a funny story. Two students at the time, he was playing The Undertaker and she was playing The Corpse and they're married now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, these relationships and these bonds come about. It's a story to tell you. Yeah, it is a story. I told it at their wedding, believe it or not, yeah. 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 And then eight years of the Lime Tree Theatre. Yeah. How was the first night of having a show in the theatre after all the work that went in? It was nerve-wracking as hell. It was nerve-wracking as hell. I, I remember... Um, so it was the Abbey and it was Ploughing the Stars and the big one to have the big one to have and, and um, we'd had a few we had a kind of a soft opening we had some other stuff in there but this was the big opening night minister was coming down um, you know several ministers all the local you know the local VIPs and so on and so forth um, and I had a wedding in Donegal uh, my wife's cousin Ian was marrying his husband Joe up in Donegal that weekend and it great friends with the lads but but I was killed being at it because I, of course I all I, I wanted to be was in Limerick and just make sure that everything but part of me also knew that I had to hand it over to the team and they needed to look after it and it just went incredibly well and 
I just my mum and dad came down from Roscommon and I remember just the pride on their faces when the minister mentioned my contribution to it all and things like that Jimmy Deenan was the minister for arts at the time and yeah just it it kind of it was really humbling just to see the the, the people of our city the people uh, of the community coming in taking their taking their seats in the auditorium and sitting there watching a good play and and just knowing that I played a small little part in all of that was, was a very humbling moment, so it was, you know. And in those eight years, Lime Tree has taken over, or taken the bell table under its wing. That's right, yeah, that's right. rejuvenation, yeah. that was yeah, yeah, really yeah. welcome, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, really welcome. And the bell table kind of fell on hard times, um, you know, without being controversial about it. I think sometimes, I think we got a bit, little bit of the blame for that because it was, wrongly, in my opinion, we, we opened up around that time, I have to say, the bell table was probably in a little bit of difficulty before that and it ran out of steam. And a recession hit the arts. A recession hit the arts and the refurbishment had gone on there and things weren't right. So it closed down and the, the city approached us um, with a view to seeing was there some way we could, because they, you know, all this money had been spent on the venue. And um, so we entered into, into you know, we have a license with them to run it on their behalf. And uh, we have a fantastic member of staff, Marquetta Downing down there, who, um, you know, Marquetta was with Fishamble for the new play company in Dublin. And uh, she's a wonderful producer, so we we we've evolved this kind of identity for the bell table now, where it's our it's our artist hub because the old credit union next door to it, you know our offices are in there. We've rehearsal spaces in there for professional artists, which again, lots of my students, former and present, use now as well. You know, the um, a couple of hot desks there, hot desks as well. But the there's you know um, the fringe is coming up now in Limerick in the next few weeks, and Tiger's Eye Theatre Company were all former students, all former Midas members. I know they're in there rehearsing at the moment and things like that as well. So we've hot desks. So if you're a professional artist, you can go in, free Wi-Fi, plug up the laptop. It's lovely and warm, office space for the day. But equally, for a very preferential rate, you can hire a room. Uh, I can't remember what the rates are, but they're ridiculously affordable for professional artists. And they're nice size spaces as well. Great spaces, yeah. They're super and they're really well appointed. So we have so we the, the always the thinking with the with the with the bell table is that it's a place where we try to encourage new work to be made and then because it's a smaller auditorium where you can stage experimental work um, the beauty of programming the two venues in tandem with each other um, is that obviously Louise and Marquette work very very closely with each other but we try not to cross program so we try not to put um, pro- a product in there that's going to take from the Lime Tree in any way shape or form or vice versa and the audience numbers have been super you know we're really pleased um, we, we always worried with the Lime Tree that we would have a honeymoon period because we were in the early days we were hitting 80 85 percent for everything you know and 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 that is not sustainable you you you, you know you um and it has settled down a bit but we're still we've remarkably powerful and 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 great patronage from lots of people and the bell table as well um we signed an agreement with the ifi the irish film institution so we show part of their film program um on mondays green uh, green book actually which is the obviously the oscar winner is is on there on the bank holiday monday i was just actually talking about that to rose earlier yeah. on yeah it's, it's an opportunity for some films that probably wouldn't make it into the bigger cinemas Absolutely. to be shown and to be shown there now green book is probably i'm sure it's yeah. in the omni and all the of rest course, of it yeah. but but uh, absolutely there's a whole pile of really interesting films i remember um, i daniel blake uh which is the amazing film by ken loach about welfare and the uk which was never shown anywhere else in Limerick. Just an astonishing film. I remember seeing it in there not so long ago. Yeah. So that's and we we're we're getting a great film audience on a Monday night. Considering there's no cinema in the city. Center. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. And and I know there's lots of plans. Hopefully yeah. to have Art House Cinema in there again. But in the meantime, you know, and the the, the cinema system in the Bell Table is great. So no, like you know, we have our ups and downs. Scheme. You know, in the sense that they're, you know, they're they're it's a big business. Yeah. You know, so you know we have a big turnover. Um, and I think people assume it's one of the 
the weird things about the arts, you know, people assume, you know, you pay 20, 22, 23 quid for a ticket or 19 for Midas next week. And it's a, it's a fair chunk of money. You know what I mean? We'd be the first to acknowledge that. And everyone assumes, oh God, someone must be getting rich out of this. But I suppose I, I can tell you, having produced a lot of work, the margins are so incredibly tight. Both on the on the production team side of things, but also on the, on the venue uh, side of things. So we have to work very very hard to 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 be a lean organisation. And I can't compliment the staff of the Bell Table and the Lime Tree enough. Like they, you know, we share the staff across the two venues. They're the most incredibly hardworking. They they love what they do, and uh, that's the best compliment I can give them. And they would do absolutely anything. I was I was telling you the story just off air about. Um, Midas are in the, the St. Patrick's Day parade on, 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 on Sunday and uh, our, the banner for the lime tree has gone missing so Sean Lynch and, and Jen McNamara our marketing team are currently up in the office trying to figure out a way I, I got a text from, from Jill just before I came in saying I have an idea you know so that's the kind of that's the kind of ethos that we have is it's everyone pitches in everyone works together and, and you know I think that's the most satisfying thing from being in the arts is that sense of collectivity and collaboration um I suppose in other walks of life, people are trying to outdo each other or trying to get one over each other. Um, you know, there's a great, uh, great saying in, in, in Irish, I'm a bit, I'm a great or or Scott Kale and Warren Sandini, you know, people live kind of within each other's shadows. We have a huge influence on each other. And in the arts, you just cannot survive without other people. That's the important having it as a community rather than competing. Exactly. Well, and, and at a time, you know, in Irish life, you know, the nature of community in Ireland is changing so much because we, we would have had these strong geographical parochial communities. Everyone had a townland or a parish that they affiliated with. And of course, that's changing. Like I, I live out in, in, in Dordoyle Raheen on the edge out there. And I know some of the neighbours, I don't know very many of them. And I've, I've lived there for over 10 years, but I don't have a massive affiliation with the place. Mm-hmm. So at times when, at a time like this, when, when the idea of community is becoming very changed and people have virtual communities on their phones and might be closer to people you know, on Instagram that they are in reality. I think the arts have a renewed importance because they, they literally create human physical communities, you know. And uh, that's the lime tree over the past eight years. Mm-hmm. So you're living in Limerick 20 years. How have you seen the city and county change in those 20 years? A fair bit. And mostly for the better, um, I think. You know, I think what I appreciate most about Limerick is... is you know, there's a no-nonsense approach to life in Limerick. You know, there's, you know, you'll, I'm sure everyone who chats to you and you'll see it in the paper all the time as well. You know, no one gets carried away as people might in other Irish cities uh, with kind of who we are and what we are. But there's, there's an earnest engagement all the time with what it means to be from Limerick and what it means to be of Limerick. I, I, you know, I mourn as so many people do the the fact that our city. Is going through our city centre is going through a bit of a dip in terms of people living there um, and people you know frequenting the streets at night and so on and so forth. It's nice to see people talking about it though. And it is, and that's that's exactly the point. You've hit the nail in the head better than I did. That's exactly the thing is that at least it's out there as a discussion topic and people are talking about it and people are sort of saying, well, how do we get people back into the Georgian buildings? How do we get more shops and more footfall back in the city? How do we avoid the donut effect? How do we militate against? Uh, the suburban plight that that has afflicted so many other places and uh, but there's a huge commitment to people in the city like what i have seen improve is i always think that our limerick is ireland's best kept secret like the the standard of living here um i travel a lot for work both internationally and nationally and i you know limerick is easier to get around than cork or galway definitely dublin or belfast whatever it might be but it people have access to the arts people have access to shopping people have access to amazing restaurants in the city too and to the outdoors 
you know I can be in I can you know I can be on the beach in Kilkee in just over an hour you know if 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 I set out on a Saturday morning um you can be on a mountain out, out in Tipperary in, in half that time um you can be in Cork you can be in Kerry so I, I, I genuinely think as a place to live, Limerick is Ireland's best case station. And obviously the cost of living is probably a little bit more competitive than elsewhere. But I, what you said a moment ago with regard to the importance of constantly asking ourselves how we can make the place better is, is, is massively important. And particularly for me at the moment, the depressing thing is how can we get people back living in the city centre so that there's a vibrancy. Because when you, again, it's communities. When you put people into communities, magic happens. Yeah. And now, what do you think will happen in the next 20 years in Limerick I'm I'm interested to see. Um, I, I hope some of that revitalisation of the city centre does come about. Um, I, I, I suspect a lot more people will come to live here. Because I, I, I suspect that... And I you know, lived in Dublin myself, and I, I, I you know, have family living in Dublin. I, I think a lot of people want to get out of Dublin. And I think a lot of companies probably want to get out of Dublin for quality of life reasons. I suspect the next 20 years are going to see a major shift in terms of how we do what we do as our jobs. Um, you know, I didn't own a mobile phone, like I'm, I'm 43 now, but I didn't own a mobile phone until I was 23. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, my life is entirely mobile. You know, I can access our financial management system on the phone and sign off on invoices, or, you know, all our databases, whatever it might be. And I think that mobilization will continue. Um, but I also, so I, I think work, work patterns will probably change to some degree for many, many jobs. But I also think that some of the, the excesses with technology that we've seen will probably be pulled back a little. Um, so how that plays out in terms of Limerick, I, I, I suspect there'll be more people here. I suspect that there'll be a renewed focus on community, a renewed focus on some of the things that are important to me in terms of the arts, but also on green spaces, on the environment, and our relationship with the environment, and, and on, you know, on, on the, the quality of our existence and not just the... Not just the, I suppose, the price of it and the, and, and, and the pace of it. And finally, Mike, uh, a chorus line. How can people... people be, be in it. It's too late to be in it, Keen. Sorry, are you wrangling? Are you wrangling? I thought, thought you were wrangling for a part. How can people go and enjoy it? People go and enjoy it. Sorry for being... But my part was taken yeah, wrong. It was, it was. <laughs> um, people can very, very simply get onto the Lime Tree website, limetreetheatre.ie. And, there's uh, a couple of shows sold out already. Yeah, there's a few of them. So, so some of the, the school's matinees, I think, are, are, are sold out. I think the family, there's a family show at two o'clock next Saturday, um, which is obviously the week of St. Patrick's Day. It's Saturday the 23rd. So there's four night shows from Wednesday the 20th to Saturday the 23rd. I think there's some tickets still available, certainly the the Friday and Saturday generally fill up fairly quickly. Um, There's a family show Saturday the 20th, uh, 23rd at 2 p.m. You know, the, the evening show is a little bit edgy in places because there's a few stories that um, you know have a bit of language but just to reassure people we have moderated that for a child friendly audience the reason you know we have a special commitment to 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 younger audiences because we have someone so many of our cast are going to be teachers and working with young people um, we think it's massively important that they that they they play to younger audiences but we we are making sure that the content is appropriate in case there's any uh, worried parents or guardians out there about about them being overexposed to salacious language they won't they- but limetreetheatre.ie the show was based in the 80s, wasn't it? Uh, 70s, 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 yeah. There's a lot of dodgy... Have you stylized it with that? Or? We have. Yeah, we have. Yeah, the, 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 the costuming certainly has a 70s, 80s. Like, there's lots of leg warmers, I'll put it like that, and, you know, kind of leotards and lycra and stuff like that. It's, 
it's not stuff you'd be wearing out in town on a Saturday night. I'll put, put it like that. Well, it depends on the Saturday. Night. It depends <laughs> on the Saturday night. It does. It so does. Uh, get on to LimeTreeTheatre.ie. That's the one, and you'll find the course plan on the front page there. 100%. Thanks very much for joining us, Mike. Not at all. Yeah, Best of luck for the future, next twenty years and beyond. Thank you. Thank you, and looking forward to them. You've been listening to We Are Limerick, a Limerick Post podcast. For more news, sport, entertainment and more podcasts, visit limerickpost.ie.